Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded with my friend, Mr. David Hensel. So David is a serial entrepreneur and a recovering introvert who is passionate about helping others move through their fears and create lives that they love. This was a beautiful conversation because David, not only is he super successful, but you could feel his journey of going from somebody who was super introverted, afraid of speaking, afraid of sales, afraid of really making sort of changes in his life. And to see where he's at now, the level of success he's reached, the way he steps up in a public speaking manner, the way that he's showing up for his team members and so on and so forth, is just really beautiful. And so we talk a lot about this transformation of, of using a mantra And I'll talk a lot about that mantra on the episode, but we talk tons about how you can begin to make choices from love instead of fear and how that choice can make all the difference in the way that you engage with life. David's a great guy. We went in a lot of different directions, covered a lot of ground. And most importantly, towards the end of the episode, I just really appreciated even seeing how, as somebody who's experienced so much success like David, he still finds inspiration in what he's doing. Like he's still inspired to wake up and go to work and keep working. And the way that love over fear and that mantra of choosing love over fear, the way that that bleeds into that eventuality for him is just really beautiful. So lots of things to share in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. If you haven't already subscribed to the show on iTunes, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. And it's not just iTunes, it's also Spotify or any of the podcast apps you listen to. Tag me on social, let me know what lands in this episode. And I'm just so grateful for you guys. Thank you for being and for being. That's it. All right. Without further ado, here is this week's incredible guest, Mr. David Hensel. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded. Hope everyone listening is having a phenomenal day so far. David, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So good, man. It's so good to see your face. Um, and I just love your, you know, everyone listening, you're not going to be able to see this, this image I have right now, but it just says love, not fear on the mic in like big, bold letters. Can you, um, you were just telling me the story before, but I'd love for you to set the stage of what does love, not fear mean to you? Yeah, happy to do that. Let's start with my, my background. I'm an entrepreneur. I've always been an entrepreneur, but I've also been an introvert. I'm a recovering introvert right now. This, this introvertness has always been holding me back massively in life and especially in business. Until I met a very close friend of mine now. I met him in uh, Blog World, Las Vegas in 2009, I think. And I saw him crush it with networking and public speaking. And 
you know, I saw how much fun he had and how good this was for his business, but this was at this point unreachable for me because I was like even uncomfortable on a conference call or running a meeting with my own team was like mm. tough for me. So I thought, okay, I'd, I'd like to have this as well. So I did Toastmasters. For those of you who are not familiar with Toastmasters, these are public speaking clubs where you learn how to public speak. And I did two networking events per week in Los Angeles. And I talked to everybody and their mother, even though it was very uncomfortable talking to strangers as an introvert. And it, it worked to some degree. I got over my shyness and I got better at it. But the real transformation happened when my yoga teacher said, that every decision in life, you either make out of love or out of fear. And this was something super profound to me because I always knew deep down inside of me. But now that she gave me this framework, I've been applying it to everything I'm doing. For example, public speaking, you know, when I'm standing on stage and I'm thinking, I'm full of fear and I'm thinking, oh, do they think what I'm saying is stupid? Do they think I have a weird German accent? Do they think I look weird? then I'm full of fear and I can't present. But if I'm thinking like, hey, I, what I'm sharing can help them in their life and their business, it becomes very easy to give a presentation or being on a podcast, which I would have never done in the past. Well, I think it's interesting because even in that one example, it was either like fear was me, 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 me. Like, I don't want to look bad. Like I have to protect myself. Like I'm, it's like a me thing versus love for you is like, how do I serve? How do I give back? How do I celebrate the other person? And it feels like even for me, like, I mean, I remember when I got on stage for the first time, like I had very similar fears and the one fear that I, that the, or the one mindset shift that got me out of that was thinking about the one person in the crowd who needed to hear what I had to say the most and me showing up fully in my authenticity was going to help that person. And that's what got me over my like stage fright. And it's interesting how love propels the best out of us. That's very true. And as you said, uh, when you do it for the others, selling as an entrepreneur, I used to hate sales with a passion. Selling was the worst for me. I always felt like a used car salesman shoving something down the other person's throat. But, you know, having a startup, you have to sell or the startup dies. So it was always very uncomfortable for me to do it until I applied the love and fear principle. If I sell you something and know, hey, this product can really help you in your life and your business. I can even be pushy, like, Rosh, freaking buy this. It's going to be amazing for you. And I feel good about doing it because what I'm doing is I'm helping you. I'm like, I have a pill that can ease your pain, you know? So I can be super pushy versus before selling out of fear. It was like, always like felt horrible. And I guess the other person also feels where I'm coming from. If I'm doing this from a place of love or fear, like if I want to do this to be of service to you or to enrich myself, you know? So do you think fear plays a, a, a role, like a useful role inside of? I guess life and business and personal growth, like, or do you think it is more of just a compass? I think it plays, it's an important role, of course, you know, like, because it can motivate you to do things, you know, it can motivate you like, oh, your startup is running out of money. It can motivate you to sell or, you know, if like you're in a dangerous situation or whatever, it can, can help you. But I think it's always the, you know, kind of looking at Star Wars, like there's the, the dark force and there's the, the positive force, you know, like the positive force is much stronger than the dark force, even though it's, it's also a very powerful thing. It's easier to, to use and wield this, the, the, the fear thing, right? But love is like, is, is way more powerful. Hmm. Do you have any other, uh, examples of this principle being applied outside of business? Outside of business in, in my personal life. My wife always asked me to do stuff around the house, like, hey, could you like fix this thing or hang up this picture or like whatever, put this piece of furniture together. 
And I always did these things out of fear because I don't want to have a conflict with my wife, but I really hate doing these things more than doing my taxes. It's like, was the worst for me, but I always did it to avoid conflict. And when you do a job out of fear, if you hate the process, then you will have a shitty result at the end. Yeah. And then I had a fight with her afterwards anyway, because it was not up to her spec, you know, but now they have this principle. I still start out of fear because I don't like to doing it, but then I switched to love to make my wife happy and to make our place nice. And all of a sudden, sometimes the work is not that bad, sometimes even fun. And the result is always much, much better. How often do you remind yourself of this principle? Like, was it like when you first heard it, so you heard it in the yoga studio and then was it something that you like wrote on walls? Like, was it like an affirmation or was it more so? Because I think that's what's really powerful about what your story is that you had a revelation and then you turned it into a decade long like commitment, right? Like most people get these ahas and there's insights and then it's gone the next time they go on Instagram or the next time they go, it's like you turned this into a lifestyle. Like, what about this mantra was so transformative for you? Like, like why do you think it, it, it spoke to you so deeply? I mean, I, I think it's a universal truth. And I had like this super big aha moment and it really transformed my life in so many different ways. I don't know. Like it, it, it makes so much, such deep sense to me that this is the right thing to do. And I've, force this on so many people, you know, like uh, at MMT, I like t-shirts to everybody. I, you know, I really want to turn this into a movement or I'm in the process of turning it into a movement that everybody understands this. In all of my businesses, I have a portfolio of companies. Love, not fear is one of the core values. And in the onboarding, et cetera, in all town halls, we always talk about this to really hammer this into people's heads. And I've seen lots of transformations be because of this in people. One example is my assistant at Max CDN, my last business, we had this problem that we grew very fast and one department did not know what the other one was doing because we, we grew so fast. I had bad internal communication. I thought, okay, we can fix this by writing an internal newsletter and distributing this. And I gave her this task and every time she gave me the draft, it was very poorly written. And so I sat her down and said like, hey, D, you're doing this out of fear and not out of love. And she looked at me like, WTF, like, what do you want from me? So I explained to her, like, if you do this out of love, you have to write this in a way that everybody gets real benefit from it, like has fun reading it, you know, it's engaging and blah, versus then, then you do it with love, but you're doing it out of fear. The only reason you're doing it is David said this thing has to go out at 4 p.m. on Mondays. And this uh, clicked with her and I never had to correct anything, you know? So it's like, it's it's applicable in, in so many different areas. And I made this my, my personal mantra that I live by. What were you living by before you had this mantra? Like, what was your, I'm just curious, like, why did this stick? Another reason why it really stuck with me was I have a very broad experience to exposure to religion. My father and a friend brought Shambhala, which is a Buddhist religion flavor to Europe. And I lived in the, in this ashram or however you want to call it for the first years of my life. And my mother was Roman Catholic and I was an auto boy as well. And then my wife is Muslim and I converted to Islam. And I lived Islam straight for seven years, like the whole shebang. Wow. And then I moved to LA and I became more spiritual. And if you take the messages of these religions and you really boil it down to the core, to the essence, it's really just like this one rule, like make decisions out of love and not out of fear. God is love, fear is the devil. Also, it's like one my, the book that had probably the biggest impact in my life is Napoleon Hill's Outwitting the Devil. That's my favorite book. 
Yeah, there you go. Like Love Not Fear. Top three book, man. Yes, yes, yes. So most of you probably know, or a lot of you know, um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Best-selling self-help book. But Outwitting the Devil, it was published 40-some years after the author's death because he was scared to publish it because it's so critical towards the church, towards the school system. Towards... In this book, he interviews the devil, asking the devil, what does the devil do to make us not reach our goals? And the devil tells him the biggest tool the devil has is fear. You know, like fear of not asking for the promotion, fear of not starting the business, fear of not asking the girl out. Fear, fear, fear. It's like the, thing, the number one thing that holds us back. That's another thing that really drove home for me to like, hey, this is like the universal truth that I should live by and do my best to spread the word about this and make everybody understand that. I feel like the more you go down the personal development, spiritual growth rabbit hole, you start to realize just how simple the truths are, like the principles. I'm finding even now, like the things I'm most afraid of are the places where I get to lean in and grow. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. Right? It is. And it's like, and especially, and, and I think it's, you know, for me, it's easy to, or at least like, it's, it's easy to think about that in like a business sense. Like, oh, I'm afraid of doing this. I'm doing that. But like, for me, it's shown up in personal life where like, I have a fear of having a hard conversation or I have a fear of telling somebody how I really feel. or I have a fear of all of these things. And like, when I look at it through the lens of fear, like it, there's always a, I feel I'm afraid that I'm either going to lose something. There's something like, there's like an element of a lack of trust. But mm. when you, when you actually lean in and on the other side of that, when you feel it, you start to actually shift into that love state. It's almost like moving through the fear trains love to be the air you breathe instead of like, you know what I mean? Like it's like a, it's really interesting how that works. Like, I feel like we're constantly bringing in opportunities in our life. This is a very spiritual concept. Like, I actually feel like we're constantly bringing in things we're afraid of so that we can learn and grow, overcome it. And, and you, the universe, however you want to call it, serves us the same thing again and again until we learn to grow and overcome it. <laughs> until you get it. And sometimes like you learn the lesson one time and then you go all the way around and you reach the second level of that same lesson. And it's like, spikier with more context and more fear it's like the continual growth evolution has you have you always been very so you said you grew up spiritual did you all like so have you had a spiritual undertone your for for most of your life or was it something that you found in your adult age when i turned 15 i started smoking the weeds 20 joints a day for a very long time just like partied really hard until i was 19 and i uh, did not care about uh, anything in that, that realm during that time but I think I've always been surrounded by that. My, my parents also brought me up in a really amazing way in, in a sense of I was raised without authority. My parents were, they were my friends that told me like, Hey, you should do, you can do this or this, but it's, it's your choice. You know, I smoked a pack of cigarettes a day when I was 12, even though my mother was a doctor. She told me like, Hey, we think it's X, Y, Z is not good because of blah, blah, but you make your own decisions. So it was very, even if I effed up massively, I could always come to them, say like, hey, this is what I did. And then we, we figured it out together to help me to fix it. So it was very pleasant to have them. And also uh, something that I want to share, so what, you, what you said before, having hard conversations. My mother told me something that I use so often. She always said, be hard in the case, but soft for the person. Then you can tell people anything. In business, let's say you're always late for meetings. 
I'll never yell at you. I'd never get upset with you. I'd say like, Hey Raj, you know, like this is bad for X, Y, Z reasons. You know, you know, it's like it's bad for the team, blah, blah, blah. I know this and this is going on in your life. I want to help you to fix it. I see potential. You, you can rock it. But if you cannot stop doing that, I'll have to let you go. I'll have to fire you. You know, so I'm very kind with the person, but I'm hard in the case. Like basically, if you don't fucking change, I'm going to fire you. Well, that's a lot harder when you're in an intimate relationship. Like when you're like talking to a significant other or like, at least I find it challenging. I don't know if you find it challenging, but like, it's like being hard in the case with softness when you're emotional and there's all the things coming up and it's like a whole, like, I think that's where the depth, go ahead, go ahead. I'd love to hear your perspectives. My wife and I, so two things, I have a condition called aphantasia, which we're going to explain in a second. So I'm like pure logic. Uh, I have, uh, I cannot recreate, I have no images in my head. So when I close my eyes and I think of an apple on my daughter's face or whatever, it's always black. So I cannot produce images and I also cannot reproduce sounds, tastes, smells, or emotions. So everything's just like a logical concept in my mind. Like, it's like I can live, I can feel the emotions now, but I cannot remember them in a feeling form. I just like, it's like kind of like a text message, like, isn't this what's good? What's bad? You know, it was good from zero to 10. But. Must be really easy to stay happy, huh? <laughs> it is. It's fairly simple. Yeah. And um, how to manage this in, in relationships. So one day I came home from a long meeting about the roles and responsibilities at my last business. And I was sitting on the couch really tired and my daughter had a full diaper. And I pointed this out to my wife, said, hey, honey, look, Emma has a full diaper. And my wife got really upset because she interpreted in a way that I told her like, hey, change the diaper, which was not my intention. I was just like tired on the couch, like making an observation. And I thought like, why are we fighting about this right now? And then I had the light bulb moment. I realized we never talked about the roles and responsibilities in our household. And I thought like, huh. And next morning we sat down and we spelled them out. Uh, you know, what does she expect of me and vice versa? And this took away 80% of the friction we had in our relationship. And next, uh, and I thought like, holy cow, if this works so well, maybe we take other elements of business and apply it to our personal life. Like having mission, vision, values, you know, having uh, a shared calendar, having regular meetings, you know, kind of like all these things. And this took away, it was like so life-changing for me that I turned it into a course to teach it to others. It's called Managing Happiness. It's my other passion project. And uh, with, with the thing, you know, your with, with your girlfriend or uh, fiancé or whatever, uh, if you have this tough conversation, we have these meetings where we can talk about stuff we uh, we do not bring up the issue in the moment because in the moment there's emotions and then you just have a an emotional fight where you just want to win the argument you don't really want to like have the best solution you just want to like get the emotions out but if something a friction point happens we add it to the agenda for our our meeting and then we do the meeting after we did yoga together or we had like a nice dinner and then we have this meeting and then we talk about these things. And then it's like more a solution oriented discussion. If you're my CFO, my, my head of sales, I would never yell at you like, Rush, like, why the fuck are the numbers not there? Blah. I'd say like, Hey, dude, numbers not there. Like, do you need more marketing budget? Is the marketing person not pulling his weight? Like, do we have to change strategy? Is the product not right? We have like a solution oriented discussion and then we actually find a solution to fix it versus like if, if emotions are cooking high, you can't make proper decisions. I actually love the reminder that bringing like business principles into a relationship, like roles and responsibilities, it's a really good exercise. What did that look like? Did you guys just brain dump all of the different roles you want? Like, could you walk through like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, we put like the, the different areas, like 
household, financials, childs, like shopping, kind of you know, like what, what are the different areas? And then we just like talk about this, you know, and for example, like, um, I bring Emma to school in the mornings. My wife picks her up. I, she puts her to bed in, uh, during the week, I put her to bed on the weekends, you know? So, and then once, once these things are written down, you don't have these discussions. We always used to have them. My wife's like, I do everything. You do nothing. Like, and it's like not tangible, but now you have this like, no, actually I do this and this and this and you do this and this. We can like move things around. It's totally cool. But then you have like a discussion basis. I, what, what I love is that like, this comes back to the role that like structure can play inside of creating healthy, grounded, connected lives. Like at the end of the day, like I used to think that freedom was the path to like, and freedom is a path to more everything, but freedom with structure is, yes, is like the, the sweet spot. I think if I go into a meeting with you, I'll have an agenda. I don't like, okay, I want to like, this, this, this one accomplish, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also happy to just like throw it out the window and not do it. But I still have a fallback to get stuff done. Or let's say, hey, let's do, tomorrow. Like, let's watch a movie, Netflix, right? If it's not planned, then we just kind of sit there and like flip through, uh, start this, nah, 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 and then we end up on our phones. Whereas like, if I do some research, I pick out, I pick out a movie, then we're going to watch this movie. It's going to be way more successful because it's planned and structured, but we can just like trash and do something else. But like, at least we have like a good fallback or like going on vacations. Uh, my wife, we always used to go on vacations at the point where my wife said, we haven't been anywhere in so long. We got to do something. And then I just like did the knee jerk reaction, booked something, overpaid, lots of projects going south because it was not planned. And, you know, versus now I just like have it pre, like this is the time when we go on vacation. And I know I will not book any calls, any projects, whatever. It just like makes life much easier if you have the, the plan. Are there, so Outwitting the Devil was a massive book that really influenced this principle of love, not fear. Are there other inspirations or books or concepts that sort of fuel or add to this sort of beautiful overarching principle of love, not fear? Another one. That is really and a top three book for me is um, the four agreements mm. about the agreements that you make with yourself. You know, I think it's also like really uh, extreme game changer for me. Why is that? Main principles like never take things personal. You know, if you yell at me, it may be because you had a fight with your girlfriend before or whatever. It's kind of like having this having this perspective and always say what you want. Like, do not. Like I'm, I'm together with my wife since we're 18, but I still tell her what I want. I don't expect her like, oh, we're together for so long. She has to know what I want. I'm clear. Also with communicating with like having tough conversations. If I tell you something that upsets you, it's your problem. It's not my problem because I can clearly communicate in a respectful manner. If there's something that hurts you, it's like if I touch you on your arm, Usually the touch should not be a problem, but if you have a, a wound here that's not healed, that's your wound. It's not me hurting you. So I think nothing should be off limits. So should be have a conversation with my wife about anything, anything that's bothering me or whatever. We can always have a conversation about it and not having like these artificial things that. Well, what's cool about you, I'm realizing right now is because what was the, the, it's called aphantasia. Aphantasia. It's, it's, I'm like, I'm seeing the advantage of that in <laughs> in many ways. Like, I mean, 
the thing I'm learning here is that like just that logic and that structure when you remove the emotion and you just speak to the truth and you stay really grounded in the truth, like it's the cleanest thing. It almost like removes all the noise. It's just like, it's truth. Did you always know you had this? I found out like two and a half years ago. It absolutely blew my mind. So tell me about that. Cause like that to me is like mind blowing. Like, so what did you think was happening before? And then how did you find out? And then like, what's happening after? So I always knew something weir is weird with me comparing to other people. For example, my father died when I was 12 and it took me like an afternoon to get over it. You know, I told myself like, there's nothing I can do. It is what it is. What should I do? I just move on. And first I thought like, okay, I'm like traumatized by this. I buried it deep down inside. It's going to come out at some point. But when my mother also passed away like 10 years ago, so like, but then I realized like, Hey, I'm just good at accepting things. I'm, I'm good at accepting reality. Um, but then when, uh, my, my business partner in UpCoach, he's our CTO. He's a brilliant coder, brilliant architect. And he also draws like super cool stuff and he plays several instruments and he composes music. And he said like, oh man, I see so many pictures in my head that I want to draw. And I hear so many sounds that I want to turn to music and compose. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I <laughs> did not know that you can actually have these things in your head. I was like completely mind blown. Like when I said like visualize something, I always visualize the logical concept of something, but I didn't know that you can see something, you know, or like count sheep to fall asleep. I thought it's the dumbest shit ever because you just sit there and count something. You know, like, just like I was just counting, you know, I can't see anything. Yeah, so I was like completely blown away <laughs> by that. And oh, yeah, then I really nerded out and I was like, I'd like, uh, I contacted a guy who coined the phrase Aphantasia, I had him on our podcast and just like really nerded out on this. Well, I'm curious. You said like you thought you were just really good at accepting. Mm -hmm. I think there's something that we can all learn from that because I do feel like acceptance is the pathway to like personal freedom, liberation. It is right. So like, what have you, what have you learned about acceptance just with all of the experiences you've had in your life and just from your own lens? Like, what do you think acceptance is and, and how do you practice it? I mean, the best thing is the serenity prayer. For those of you who are not familiar with it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. I'm butchering it a little bit, but the meaning is like God or universe, or whatever. Give me the power to accept things I cannot change or the serenity to accept things I cannot change the power to change things I can't change and the wisdom to know which one's which. Mm. Once you do this, it gives you a lot of peace. Like, oh, somebody passed away. You know, it's like nobody's fault. It's nothing I can do with this. What is like, what should I do? Another thing actually, it's also an interesting story. The power of acceptance and how to deal with guilt. So my grandma was, I was always her favorite grandchild and she was my favorite grandma. We we're like super duper close. And she also moved in with us when our father passed away and she basically raised us, right? So she was always there for us. And the older she got, she had like this tick. Let's say I'm leaving the house and I'm not, I'm on the phone. And I forget to say goodbye to her. She lays up in bed the entire night thinking, what did she do that I did not say goodbye? Kind of like always going like this, like weird mental spirals. And this became very taxing on us. It was like, it became super duper annoying. And when my mother passed away, I had like super crazy, hectic. Emma was born. Two weeks later, my mother passed away. And a business was like going super crazy in a positive sense. I was like, I was so busy and I could not, I did not, usually I always call my grandma, so, but I did not call her because I was just like underwater, like crazy. 
And I was also buying a house at the same time and selling a house in Germany. It was like really overload. And I didn't call her for a while, which was already like probably like troubling for her. And then I was had to call my brother on Skype because we were selling this house in Germany that we own together. And the next meeting was already in my office standing next to me. And then my grandma walks into the picture in Skype and wants to talk to me. I said, like, I can't talk. I have to go. And I hang up. And that night she died from stroke. Mm. So knowing her, she like completely flipped out that I'm just like, I cut her off like this after talking, not, not talking to her for so long. So I logically, I could have very likely contributed to her passing away. So what do I do with this guilt? It's like, do I keep this rock of guilt on my shoulder, taking out lots of my mental capacity? But I thought it would not be fair towards my business partners, my business, my colleagues, my wife, my daughter, because like I would not be able to perform the way I can perform because it would like this rock of guilt would hold me back. So I decided to put this rock guilt down and instead think about like what can I do to make sure this never happens again. You know, kind of being being mindful about this. Or in general, if I do something that pisses off my wife, if I sit in the corner and I feel bad about this, this doesn't help her. But if I th- figure out like, how can I fix it? How can I make up for it? How can I make sure it never happens again? You know, this is, I think the proper use of energy also, like, you know, kind of love, not fear, I guess, like, you know, if you're yeah. in this negative space, then it, it's your in space of fear. Whereas like, in, if you act out of love, like, okay, what can I do to fix it? You know, kind of always just, just the energy. And also it would love not fear. I think if your, your emotions are your compass, you know, like if you feel good about something, lean in, you're acting out of love. If you feel bad about something, if it doesn't feel good, take a step back. Or this is what I'm doing. I take a step back and reflect back. Am I, can I change my mindset towards this? Or is this not the right thing to do or whatever, right? This like kind of helps me to, to evaluate and always like do my best to stay in this, in the state of love versus fear. Yeah. Thank you for that, man. I, I find it sometimes hard for me to accept or forgive myself for making decisions out of fear. I think a lot of times like, it's like, oh, I, chose this business partnership and then when I look back I'm like so much fear or I did this thing or this this decision I made or it's like and then I look at all the people I hurt as a result of making a decision out of fear and it just gets hard when you like weigh yourself into it and I think a big practice of self-love or pursuing to love is 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 practicing forgiveness and really learning to accept your tendency to do things out of fear. So I think it's really easy to forget that, you know, we're human beings and we have these amygdalas that are like constantly protecting us. And whether we're conscious to it or not, like there's like our, we are wired for fear, not love. Yes. But we, we can become aware of like, does something feel good or does it not feel good? Also, and another thing I have in the managing happiness course. I'm also using it on on a daily, on, not daily, but on a regular basis. Is my error log. So every time I fuck up, I add it to the error log, and then I have an entry of like, this is what happened, what went negatively, and then next to it is like, what can I do to make sure this never happens again? Mm. And then these things go on my not to do list, and with the same thing in all of my businesses, we call them improvement logs because people don't like the error logs sounds so negative. So in our improvement logs, any mess up, any customer complaint or whatever it is we put on there and then we figure out what can we do which SOP standard operating procedure or whatever can we change to make sure this never happens again and then we become self-healing machines you know then like we just like always get better and better and better and better and 
the rule is like nobody gets into trouble for messing up, but are going to murder you if you do not put it into the error log. Mm. You know, like, you know, so that's kind of like the idea of like constantly improving, 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 getting better. That's good, dude. I love that. I love the idea of creating a self-healing organization by just paying attention to that's that's really beautiful actually and I, and I love that you don't fault people for making the mistake but you fault them for not putting it on the airlock yes massively and i mean if you do the same mistake 10 times in a row then we gotta talk you know but like uh which people usually don't do because like it gives all this transparency of like hey something went wrong and like multiple eyes on it and then we get like a good conversation on how can we fix it nothing gets swept on the rug because things get swept on the rug. It's it's fear-based. It's also, I have love, not fear in all of my companies because we want to have like a good culture, a culture of like, hey, we want to fix things. We want to provide good service to our customers. We want to grow and get better. And if it's a fear-based culture, people do not, they're scared to admit like, oh, dude, I messed up. But here it's like, it's celebrate. Okay, you messed up. Let's come together and figure out how can we make sure this never happens again. The same thing how my parents raised me. Whatever I did, then I messed up. Like I did like crazy stuff as a kid. But there was like, okay, we accept. You did X, Y, Z. It's not cool. Let's see how we can fix it. How we can make it up to this person, or like whatever you can do. You know. So when you say, I'm really interested in the idea of like a culture driven by love. Can you give any examples of how your employees have changed? Like when they come into the, like, do you hire them coming into the organization as like? you must already embody this principle or do they come into the organization and then they learn this principle? What's your balance there? So I do my best to only hire people who are in line with our core values. You know, also, I guess one of my, I don't want to say superpowers, but something that's like very, comes easy to me is like organizational development because it's like logical concept and my brain only works in logical concepts. So um, for example, hiring people, we record a video that is added to the um, the job posting where the hiring manager goes over the job description, but also our mission, vision, and our values, right? So because like this already draws people in that think like, oh yeah, I could work with this person. I like this guy or this girl, and I can live with these core values. Sound sound interesting to me. Once we hire somebody at the end of the contract, there's an extra page that lists the core values, and they have to initial after each core value. And then sign it like, I'm going to live up to those. If not, that's a reason for my termination. Then we have like in the, for all the new hires each month, we have like a, the, the lead of the company does like a, a session where he walks through each core value and explains, gives core value stories, how somebody lived up to these core values. Right, so kind of like it goes on, 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 but like we really want to like, repel people who do, are not a fit for this and draw people in where it's a fit. One example, at, at MaxCDN, we had a core value, which was make cool shit, was our number one core value because we want to attract engineering nerds that love to build cool shit. And we want to repel people who want to come to work with a tie who get offended that the company's using the word shit in their core values. And also, I think that's, that's kind of the idea of like, you can definitely, and you should filter that people are excited for the mission of your company, excited for the, the vision and the mission and can identify with these core values. It's like, you know, otherwise it's an uphill battle for you. No, oh, man, this is great. I mean, what I, I just love so much, like how this, this one principle plays such a, an anchoring role in every part of your life. It's like 
these values are born from your heart, even though it was inspired by something someone said in a yoga class. But at the end of the day, like you took that, you brought it back, and then you started living your life through that lens. And as a result, you've created this ripple of like positive transformation, positive movement and momentum in your life. How much has changed between the day you had this principle and now? Like, can you paint like a, how many surprising things have you accomplished as a result of you having this frame? It's that where the actual really the big change happened for me was my wife was, uh, went through breast cancer and the doctor told me first and I was like, fuck. And this kind of like, made me visualize in a logical sense because I cannot actually visualize it, but visualize me laying on my deathbed, looking back at my life, thinking, did I really do what I was supposed to do? Did I have the impact that I want to have? Did I live the life that I want to live? And back then, my business, I thought, is not really um, having enough positive impact. You know, So I thought, like, okay, what can I do? And since then, I've been like, kind of soul-searching, what can I do to have more positive impact? And one thing was like to build out managing happiness, uh, helping people to figure out their personal mission, vision, values, and their goals and their habits. And so they can actually really figure out what they actually want out of life and then achieve it, helping people to do that. By the way, check out managinghappiness.com if you want to apply business principles to your life. By the way, it's also not for profit. You know, I had, had a good exit with, with Max CDN. So I want to figure out what I really want to do. And first I created Managing Happiness, the course. And I've been always contemplating, like, what can I do to have more impact? And I read Conscious Capitalism uh, by John Mackey. And the idea, for those of you who have not read the book, is um, the old way of doing business is you have to increase shareholders' value. You have to make the owners of the business richer. And the conscious way is you do good by all stakeholders, meaning suppliers, customers, employees, like basically everything, community, the planet, everything that the business touches should be better off because the business exists, right? And this really resonated with me. And so I started LTV Plus. It's an outsourcing company for customer support. And Task Drive, we do lead research and shortlist. We do backlink building and blah. Because I want to hire as many people as possible to give them a great place to work, a great culture, put food on the table. Because then, you know, if you have a conscious business, it's the best business it's the best vehicle to have a positive impact in the world. I love this. So you've applied love, not fear to your desire to continue building businesses because you want to create an environment for people to have great opportunities. Place to work. That is freaking amazing. I love that mindset shift because most people reach a certain upper limit and then they don't the chase to make more money is an endless game, right? It's like an endless game. It's just more money, more money, more money. But you changed the the narrative to now say, no, like I actually want to keep doing and creating so that I can create as many opportunities as I can. That's a really powerful reframe, man. I can feel the energy of that. It's so... Money is a side effect of providing value. Just like provide value to every person you come in touch with, it comes back to you some some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Amazing, dude. Well, I've this conversation went in a lot of different directions. I wasn't really sure where the hell it was going to go, but I'm really grateful it came back around to that one principle. And um, so love, not fear. Is this, what is it? Give us a, I know it's an idea, it's a concept, it's a philosophy, it's your way of life, but it's also a... It's 
the ideal scenario is I'm working on it to turn into a movement. So you can go to lovenotfear.com. You can join the community. And, and we want to figure out how to really turn into a movement. Uh, one thing is like we sell swag. So like stickers and shirts and blah. So people can always get reminded of, of this concept and it becomes viral. So more people talk about it. Next step is we're going to do like social media stories where people share like how do they switch from a state of fear to a state of love? Because it's like a, a lot of people struggle, struggle with this. And I want to share as many stories as possible so other people can learn from this. So yeah, go love on fear, sign up for free, join the community and let's figure out together how we can spread this message to as many people as possible. Amazing, brother. Well, I'm again, very grateful for this catch up. It's good to see your face. And I learned a lot, man. Um, just very inspired by uh, how you've taken this and just applied it in such beautiful ways to like really flip the narrative. And I can feel it in your eyes. Like you're just like excited about all the things coming. So just want to thank you again for the time. And it's great seeing your face. And I got one last question for you. In the midst of everything you're doing, everywhere you've been and everywhere you're going, how do you stay grounded? I'm a habit nerd. So I have like lots of habits that help me to, to stay grounded. I think the most important thing for me is to exercise at least like three, four times a week. I really want to sweat ideally every day. I think it's like the most important thing for me to be happy and grounded and relax. Cause I think, you know, like it's in, Stone Age times, if there was a threat, we either ran away or we fought it. We fought a saber-toothed tiger, we ran away from it. And both times we've been sweating. And so we kind of get rid of this negative emotions and and, and hormones or whatever is going on now in, in our bodies. And now we get stressed by an email that we're getting and we still just like sit here. You know, So I think it's like one of the, the key things for me to exercise. It's like, I think the biggest way for me to yeah the thing that helps the most and another thing is uh, my gratitude rock yeah don't be proud of me with gratitude rocks it's like a rock that i have in my pocket and every morning i pick it up and i go through the things i'm grateful for my healthy body my wife my daughter businesses friends family our eight dogs like whatever there's like so many things i'm I'm, I'm grateful for and this puts me into this all as well state of mind sometimes i still get stressed but then I feel a stone in my pocket and I think like, dude, there's so much beauty in my life. Like, why do I get stressed out about this thing? Like, cause most of the time, the things that stress us out today, six months from now, we can't even remember them. Like, our lizard brain is like, just like, you know, fear, 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 look for the, for the bad things. And we just forget how much amazing beauty we have in our lives. At the end of the day, when I come home, so after this call, it's already. 11 o'clock here, I'll take out the stone and we'll go through the things that went great this day. This amazing conversation with you, getting stuff done this morning, blah, blah. Because we tend to only focus on the thing that went wrong, like the customer that we lost or the fight that we had with our girlfriend or wife or whatever. Or we we just like focus on the negative and we forget like, hey, there was actually so much good stuff going on. I've been doing this for like 15 years or so and it's really strengthened my gratitude muscle and helps me to just accept things more and just like when you're in this positive state of mind, you can just like plow through all these issues or quote unquote big problems. It becomes very easy to just like get through it. Yeah. Brother, you are the real deal. Grateful man. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for yes, that. Likewise. Thank you for that little nugget and um heart is nourished. I got a whole thing of rocks right here. I got an entire thing of rocks. I collect all, rock. all the rocks, yeah. And I I carried them around and I actually you've inspired me to like name one of them my gratitude rock because I think that's a really 
really beautiful way to stay grounded, literally. What's really powerful is when you give these rocks to people, when you tell them the story, like if you'd be in person now, I would have given you the one that I have in my pocket. You know, it's like, it's... Uh, even better. That's even better. Oh my God. I love this. I love this so much. Well, everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of Stay Grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your new friend, David. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.